Welcome to Scouting for Growth. Today, I'm meeting with Mike Minette, CEO and Chief Idea Guy at Portable. Portable is a platform and a community which provides insurance benefit savings to freelancers and self-employed professionals. Portable wraps this all up into a monthly membership where goods, services, and products are bundled also tailored for individuals and their family members to enable them to serve the industry they focus on. Portable members save time, money, and stress at the click of a button by leveraging the platform. On this podcast, we will cover why Mike decided to move from consulting to building an insure tech focused on the future of work. What is Portable's focus and core proposition? What is required to build a gig economy-focused startup? And we will also touch upon ESG and the future of tech. So let's get started. Hi, Mike. How are you today? Great, Sabine. Got that Friday feeling. Uh, Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So, you know, I was reading your your LinkedIn profile and I can see you have set up Portable over three years ago. So can you tell us a little bit more about this project? Because you come from the consulting world as well, I think. Yes, yes. Look, three years. Uh, It feels like yesterday on the one hand. On the other hand, it also feels like 10 years. And I think that's that's the fear of startups and the whole concept. You need to be doing more faster, doing more faster. You're constantly watching the clock. I think we've been on a journey. It's fair to say that. Um, we exploded out of the gates and and got some opportunity in the US that was probably too big for us where we were at in our stage of journey and then made the decision to come back and, and technically build and launch again out of London. Uh, then we got a little bit of COVID interruption as part of that. Uh, we were due to close our first round of funding in March 2020. And of course, March 2020 never happened. So things sort of fell apart at that point. Uh, but interestingly, Portable and our proposition to sort of better serve and support the independent, freelanced and gig world of work uh, continued to be interesting and COVID only accelerated everything. So. You know, on the one hand, yes, we've lost time, but actually I think the timing will work out even better for us uh, as we prepare now to, to finally launch into market. So, yeah, it's been a journey. That's where we'll leave it. So first question, I would say, tell us a little bit more about you, Mike, and, and your journey. And then let's talk about Portable and what got you into designing, shaping, launching um, this platform. Sure. Gig workers. Yeah, look. Um, so, what do I say? I was I did twenty years in fintech before it was called fintech. So, uh, been around a little while. So, used to work investment banking as an independent worker, as a contractor, banking, trading systems, risk, and so forth. But look, always wanted to do my own thing. And then, probably at the very wrong age and the very wrong t- time, 
um, my wife would call it a midlife crisis. I was, if, if I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it kind of, uh, kind of epiphany. And uh, launched a startup here in London uh, called the Positive Aging Company. And it was health tech data, employee benefits, health insurance, again, touching on the future of work. But this time it was focused on the aging population and how that is going to impact organizations and how we are all going to work till we are 80 and live till we are 100. But the whole structure of organizations is designed to push people out the door at 55. So again, fundamentally broken model. Uh, there's both challenges and opportunities with aging population. And we set about creating a platform um, to take care of some of that. Uh, companies do a great job with families and childcare, but they're doing nothing around families and increasingly the elder care responsibilities sitting above it. Uh, ran that business for a couple of years and ended up getting acquired by Mercer, who uh, Marsh McClellan, so the big sort of HR pension employee benefits consultancy. And uh, went across with that business to, uh, to sort of participate. And I think I lasted about six hours back in big corporate. Um, and the induction took five hours. So already that entrepreneurial itch was, was there um, from day one. But it was, you know, inside now Mercer, employee benefits, uh, that HR consulting piece. And a bit of research just crossed my radar about, you know, pretty soon, 50% of the world's workforce are going to be working independently in some shape or form. And they said by 2023. And I was sitting there thinking, look, Mercer, we do a great job looking after the large companies and full-time employees, but who's looking after this new 50%? Um, and it was no one. And still today, it's very few. Um, so that was kind of the genesis for the idea for Portable. And um, look, as it's turned out, that 50%, I think the figure is going to be higher. COVID has only accelerated. It feeds all into the whole future of work, flexible working, remote working, uh, the changing of the models. I say the days of large company and full-time employment is shrinking. And this new world of work, life, whatever you want to call it, is unfolding fast. And that's our specialty. That's our passion, mm. looking after and serving and supporting those independents. You know, it's interesting you say those numbers. Um, I worked recently on a piece of research and uh, branding initiative with a company called Eventi. And the research showed that 71% of the working population would rather work anywhere around the world than get a promotion. Only 13% of people will work from in the office. And then, you know, you have this great resignation in, in America, I think 35%, 35 million people uh, resign from a really comfy job to actually go for portfolio strategy, portfolio work. And so when you think about portable, you know, how you saw for, you mentioned over 55, right? People, who actually will not probably work for a big organization and may have various uh, opportunity to work with many companies to leverage their skills. Uh, that's exactly it. They're our people. Um, the clues in the brand name, we want to create a portable structure that wraps around the individual and follows them with whatever they've got going on, whatever pieces of work they might have going on, 
for whichever client they might have going on and ultimately across any geographies that they might be traveling and working through. Because at the moment, you plug into the organization, you leave that organization, you unplug and you have to go and start again. So it's just it, the model is no longer fit for the way people are choosing to live and to work. Um, but that also comes with its challenges, especially around the regulatory piece and um, also around the risk profiling. And that's kind of, you know, our secret source, if you like, is our frisk score, freelancer risk. Because where it's broken is today as an employee of a company, you know, your underwriting score is here and your credit score is here. But tomorrow that very same person decides to go out and set themselves up on their own and go off on their new adventure. Their underwriting drops and their credit scoring drops only because they are now independent. Yet this is the same person with the same network, the same skills and experiences, the same career trajectory potentially. So why should they face bias and penalty just because they are independent? The only reason is the models are built for that old world. So we're trying to tackle it uh, through data and analytics, uh, better understanding of these individuals to present that story back to our insurance and credit partners on behalf of these individuals so they get a better and fairer deal. Um, because when they're out there by themselves, for themselves, first starting out, they have absolutely nothing in place. They've got no idea what they need to have in place. Oh my gosh, I need to set up a bank account. Do I need to have a limited company? I need professional indemnity. Who's now looking after my health insurance? So it's just this very challenging, messy set of circumstances. Um, and we're trying to take care of as much of that as possible for our members to free them up just to get after the value creation work, uh, if that makes sense. Absolutely. You know, as you were talking, you met, you know, the image came into my mind, the matrix, right? You know, because we live in some ways in, in sort of matrices. And at the same time, you are building portable to dematrix us in some ways with the old way of doing things. So I have this visualization of, you know, I could see the movie, but at the same time, I'm just. Ah. <laughs> oh, well, you, you, you can be my co-star. <laughs> you could actually do the portable movie, huh? Um, yeah. So what does that mean? So you already mentioned some of the products and you mentioned some of the services. So where is portable today? Where are you planning to go? And what are the main products and services you are providing your members? Yes. So look, we're on the cusp of launch. And it's great to be able to say that because it has been that journey. Um, we've kind of been deliberately concentrating on product and platform. You know, they'll call it stealth mode. It hasn't really been stealth because we've been out and about. But, you know, we've we've taken the decision to uh, do things a certain way, uh, dictated fundamentally by the data and the research. So we've had over a thousand conversations now with independent workers all around the world we start with what keeps you awake at night to identify the key things. And uh, it's not just products and services, which has been really fascinating for us. Community connection, water cooler moments, mental health support, loneliness. You know, these are real things that an employee is supported with by the company. But for those who are out by themselves, for themselves, they don't easily have access to any of this. So there's a whole emotional and social piece above and beyond the sort of the insurances and the protection piece. 
So we've got three pillars to the proposition. It's about connection, it's about protection, and it's about growth. So it's connection to peers for trusted advice and support, to good partners and products and services, to good insurances. The protection piece makes sense to itself, protecting you, fundamentally your health, because it is independent, it's precarious. You lose your health, it impacts your ability to earn. You lose your ability to earn, it impacts your health. So we really concentrate on that health and well-being piece, trying to keep our, our members happy and healthy and productive. Mm -hmm. And then we concentrate on the earning capacity, which is the growth story. I'm here, I want to be better. I've got this skill set. I need to future-proof through professional skills, training and development. So by default, it becomes quite holistic. Um, looking after your health, your finances, your work, and ultimately trying to help you have a, a happier and healthier life. Yeah, and so it's interesting because um, what you are also saying is product and services is not just product and service, right? It's a proposition. It's an aggregated uh, group of capability which enable your user, the yes. independent worker, to feel fulfilled, which may include protection, but the proposition include other elements to provide this 360 view of what they need yes. to be successful. Yeah, it's been fascinating. Um, I can't stress to you how important that whole community piece has come through um, and the protection. But this is what we, we're trying to sort of explain to our insurance partners. Look, insurance for good is a, is a good thing. But people don't wake up in the morning saying, you know, I wish I had more insurance. They don't even know what they have, what they don't have, what they should probably have, that it's a lot more affordable than probably what they thought. Um, so, uh, you know, a lot of our work is to explain there's insurances for good. Now, a lot of these insurances comes with some really nice features attached to them of access to virtual GP, access to some counselling and mental health support, access to physio. Um, so it's about, you know, the protection piece is important because our theory, our thesis is you build from a strong base, right? So just as good common sense, simple stuff, the laptop and the smartphone are the most business critical tools of any of us. Do these folks have them insured? Oh, I think I do, or I think I don't, or I think I got it on my credit card. So there's something, but I don't know Well, it's like, well, you know, you really should because all your data, your IP, your CRM is likely either in your phone or on your laptop. So that's the sort of protection piece that's important to the independent worker because they don't have the company to replace their phone if it drops in the pool or to rebuild their laptop, you know, yeah. so holistic. Holistic, that's cool. And so... Another thing which you highlighted is that uh, multi-tenant angle. You have insurance partners, you have your communities of independent workers. I assume you also have other members in your community. So how do you build your digital ecosystem, Mike? How you bring your parties together? Yeah, uh, look, one, you're spot on on two points. Uh, we're building an ecosystem. We see portable in the middle. We see our role to connect independent workers to good employers of independent workers and ultimately to good product and service providers. So the triangle is the company gets a happier, healthier, and more productive independent worker. Uh, 
That provides a better risk profile back to our insurance and credit partners for them to be able to provide a better service. So it becomes this sort of um, positive circle of win, 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 everybody wins. And then it's digital. I mean, we are 100% digital end to end. Uh, that's our ambition and, and we've built that from the start. So we're able to aggregate a highly fragmented audience through our technology and our platform to put it in front of you know, our, our various partners across those sort of services and insurances that we're looking to, to bring. Um, and then we'll get a little bit more clever going forward uh, with that ecosystem, the community. I think it enables us to then start thinking about peer-to-peer -peer, um, uh, innovation. The community by default is its own pool of risk. So I think we can do some cool stuff. We talk about the mutual of the future um and everything that that could uh, entertain but that's probably for another podcast on another day yeah uh, and you know it, it's uh it, it's really crucial you know if you don't mind uh talking for a second to our colleagues startups and entrepreneurs and founders out there what i've been your your good your bad and your uglies you know what has been for you the journey to get to portugal and define a really critical proposition and business model which you think now is sustainable to drive yeah. the you're seeking look the, the good has been from day one uh we've put this proposition concept in front of uh, the world um we were fortunate to get selected for a techstars program in the united states sponsored by MetLife Insurance, focused on the freelance and gig economy, yeah. uh, then plug and play, InsureTech and Silicon Valley, um, the Accenture FinTech Lab here. So at the top, we've put our proposition there. And then from the bottom, we've had these thousand conversations and overwhelmingly hurry up and finish because um, we're ready to play in some shape or form. So that's always been the good. Um, the bad is, it's tough, you know, and you know this, and this is that early stage uh, chicken and the egg. And we've all, we're, we're still there now. Uh, originally it was, you need to have product or revenue, one or the other to get investment. All right, so we've got product. Nah, you know, now we wanna see some revenues and early traction. Whew, okay, we're almost there for that. So the bad is that hamster wheel of trying to bootstrap, trying to be lean, um trying to do the right thing the pressure of the working capital to be able to to do it properly is 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 a tough thing but that's common the ugly is uh and our and our little journey um you know we were fortunate we raised uh in covid uh but then our investors hit some turbulence which caused us some turbulence so having gone and done the hard part it just impacted us right on the cusp of, you know, a critical moment in in the journey. So uh, it can get really ugly. And this is, you know, the startup journey is a crazy one. And just with some founders uh, yesterday at an event, what are, what is it about? It's about persistence. It's about resilience, and it's about creativity. And that's intra hour because I've cut, I'll come off this. This has been a great session. I'll go back to my desk and there'll be some sort of caca that's just exploded that <laughs> brings you back down. And then an hour later, you've got to be back up 
And then that's that's your life and that's your journey until you start to cross over some of these important thresholds and milestones. So the you know the ugliness is it's just it's just tough. Um, it's tough, and even you know it doesn't stop uh, because you'll solve some challenges and then you'll be in the next part of the next phase of the journey and a whole new set of challenges will be in front of you. So, um, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> it's my second go. It's an addiction or a curse. I'm not sure which one. Which is a good um, curse, whether it's addiction or curse is a good one, right? It's about changing the world. Yeah. Things better for uh, amazing communities. But so what would you say to the investors? You know, you mentioned that, there was good and less good during COVID with um, investors you had allocated funding and then I guess could not give you the funding they had promised because they got impacted themselves by COVID. What do you want to say to the investors? Uh, so look, it's actually part of the journey. We hung tough with them. They hung tough with us. They sorted themselves out. We're back now in, in great shape. I think that was a really unique relationship. I think... What I love about the US in this game is they have an absolute appreciation for the crazy entrepreneur to initiate an idea, a project, a concept, a startup. Um, and they respect that and they back that, that craziness because that's where the seed gets planted for the future investment opportunities to exist. Yeah. Um, it's it's just part of that part of that, and um, I sometimes wonder if if that entrepreneurial spirit is backed and appreciated, and backed when it's really really tough. Uh, look, I know there's initiatives out there early stage. You know, what's your definition of early stage? What's your definition of a startup? Um, now they're talking about growth stage. Hmm. You know, a startup is you're starting something up. It's pretty simple, but you need to do it the right way. You know, some decent capital um, to bring it all to life, uh, to move it through the sort of the discovery, the validation, the can we sell it, can we sell lots of it methodology. Um, but one thing you are saying is, uh, so, you know, the US investor is much more open to innovation and craziness. And um, so it sounds like it's uh, the reverse. And I think Asia as well, we've seen amazing things happening in Asia. But what I'm hearing is you feel that um, our European investors are a bit more risk averse. So, so, so what do you think needs to be done to get them maybe to consider better, you know, young startups, start up, as you said, um, to, to raise and get access to capital they need? Uh, it's so much of it's just about being given a chance. So even you know us, also with our um, connections and back into the into the various networks, you know come back to us when you've got a thousand headcount or come back to us when you've got five thousand. Um, you know we know we're going to get to those numbers, but you need the sort of the enthusiasm and the partnership, always that chicken and the egg to get to that point. Uh, or we need some data to be able to prove out our risk score and our model. Um, and then, you know, from an early stage investment point of view, you know, 50,000 or 100,000 pounds is meaningful and significant to an early stage startup. I'm not sure if it is necessarily to 
if we just think about a large insurer or a large bank, um, but it can make all the difference. So it, it's kind of, it depends on, I think it always depends on where the company is at in its journey as to, as to where the ideal match is. But um, it would be great to, to see more, it's not generosity, but just more openness to collaborate and explore, prove value, help collaborate, develop. Because, um, it, it, you know, we had a funny one with uh, with a large American insurer. Oh, we invest in startups all the time. We just help so-and-so put 30 million into their Series C. I'm like, guys, that's not that's not startups. You know, that's baby unicorn territory. So it, it it's just, it's different. Yeah, it's understanding the, the level of magnitude and what the early stage, early issues requirements are to build those unicorns. Um, and, you know, we deal with the industry, which is a highly risk averse. So decisions tend to be made um, when things are probably a bit more baked <laughs> than early. Yeah, yes, yes. Correct, correct. And, you know, we understand that. We're trying to get half-baked. <laughs> Which is cool. <laughs> you know, there's this term we hear everywhere. So we'll talk about digital ecosystem, but there's this term we, we hear everywhere, which is embedded, embedded insurance. How does embedded plays for Portable and the Portable team? Uh, look, well, I think we we play uh, buzzword bingo for fun because we tick all the boxes, digital ecosystem, blockchain, if you wanted to, tokens, uh, embedded. What we're trying to do is for the individual, we think about the customer, everything in one place. It's there if you need it. Uh, if you want professional indemnity insurance, click here and it will be added back now into your wallet. So we try and embed from our side. And then from a partnership's point of view, we're trying to embed our proposition into a logical journey. Um, so for example, we're working with uh, one of the new neo banks uh, who are focused on the self-employed uh, independent workforce. So getting our proposition to now be embedded as part of their bank account holder. All right, we, you know, we're looking after your banking, but now we can help you with health insurance and other health and wellbeing activity. So you know, that's how we think about and try and become embedded. You know, the dream is for there to be no insurance. You just take out a membership of Portable and, and you're covered off on on what we think would be the ideal set of, of protections. Um, but we're not there yet. Yeah. So how many insurers are you working with and how has been your... I know you have talked about the relationship from an investment viewpoint, but you need those uh, to provide capacity. So how yep. has been your relationship with the uh, the insurers and um, how are they supporting you as well in your journey? Yeah, look, so we've, um, we've worked hard. I think we've spoken to everybody. I'm always reminded of the Z-Gode and we use that, you know, they knocked on 43 before they finally found their one. Um, I reckon we've been close to that. Uh, but we've landed now on on, on some great people uh, with legal in general, Markel, Chubb, uh, ARAG, um, who are, you know, as passionate as we are about this whole future of work and how it's unfolding and, and so forth. So that's always what we look for in our partners. Um, we've had others approach us. They see us as a distribution channel into this fast growing market. Mm -hmm. um, but we're looking for a little bit more from our partners because it is, 
Um, you've got to have that passion. Um, and it is about exploring and collaborating because their models don't talk to this new world of, of work and life, uh, far from it. But that's where the opportunity is. And, um, you know, we, we, we love how it's unfolding. There'll be more to follow because, you know, we're looking to add as much to it as possible so that the individual, it's all there. They'd have to do nothing, think about nothing. Um, we save them that time and that money and that stress of even worrying about it. So, Mike, we've heard a lot about talent looking for potentially new opportunities, but many organizations out there are uncomfortable with the hybrid working engagement. And I've heard people walking away from great opportunities because they are unable or do not want to work from an office. So what does that mean from an ESG viewpoint? Um, look, we get it. It, it. It's just, it's such a, there's just such a fundamental and structural shift going on and it's happening now at pace. Flexible working has always been the number one employee benefit and organizations in the past have dabbled with it. You can come in a little late or you can leave a little early that's about as far as they were willing to go. Then it's like, all right, well, you can work from home on a Friday. Always reluctant because they never trusted the employee at the end of the day. Then COVID just threw it all out the window because no, no choice. Everyone have to go home and we have to start learning how to be productive from home. And what they actually discovered is, you know, literally on a phone call, they're able to transfer their organization, the productivity everywhere and probably get to about 60 or 70%, you know, straight away as was, you know, now over time they'll improve that through better use of technology and working practices and so forth. But all of a sudden that took the whole trust thing out of the, out of the discussion. I think if COVID had finished within sort of six months, it would have rolled back, but the longer it went on, there's no going back now. And they talk about there being 10 years of shift have been captured in those 10 months. So, so this new workforce model is a given. From an ESG point of view, look, clearly there's environmental benefits, not the pressure on the infrastructure or the transport systems, spreading people uh, out, of, out of big cities across um, sort of uh, satellite cities, you know, would be a good thing for the environment. I'm just saying this off the top of my head from an environmental point of view, it's not really my specialty, but certainly in, if we think about the social column, within the ESG equation, you know, I think that's where the, the, there's plenty to be had. Um, one of them is equal opportunities. So, you know, this is come, would come into the discussion. Uh, parity, you know, it's a big one between those who work independently and those who are in full-time employment. Uh, access to sort of support and services as part of that. Freedom and the mobility um, question is, is part of it, freedom of choice, especially now people have, you know, really embraced that whole work-life balance um, and that flexibility. It just comes down to flexibility and true flexibility. That's what, that's what everybody is after. Then there's no doubt health, you know, the positive health impacts, uh, the reduce of the stress bit of the commute or the, you know, they even talk about introverts being forced into a corporate environment versus extroverts and extroverts now having to work from home and how it's not working for them. So again, fascinating dynamics that are all part of this 
this new model uh, that all sort of tie back into, I'll say the challenges that the ESG uh, scoring is trying to, is trying to um, improve. And then of course, governance, well, you know, good governance, good practice, good data um, would be, would be had. So tell me, Mike, what about the future of insurance? Where do you see us going from here? Well, I think even just your last little question, I mean, this is, there's challenge because the models are broken, but there's absolute opportunity. And if we think about simple thing, employer liability. So when you're sitting in their office and something happens, you're covered as an employee. I wonder if you're now working from home and you slip over in the kitchen, does that employee liability stretch to that sort of a situation? Conversely, you pay a lot of money for house insurance and contents insurance. But if you're now sitting at home more often, you're less likely to be burgled. So why does your house insurance need to stay the same when if you're going to be around more? So I think these kind of the way people are living and working and moving around um, is a real opportunity to sort of reassess how these sort of traditional insurances work and function, let alone the opportunity to create something new and interesting that straight out of the gate caters for and accommodates the way people now are going to be choosing to live and to work. And that is fascinating because that, you know, in many markets, the penetration of insurance is still quite low, even in developing markets. And so what you also are saying is we're also opening an opportunity to increase that penetration by serving the customer much better with products and services they need to protect themselves long term. Yeah. And, and again, I would bet my house on it. There's a nice win-win-win to be had. Um, a win for the organization, a win for the independent worker or the FTU worker who happens now to prefer that, that hybrid working model. And then back to, you know, to the various partners, insurance, credit and so forth, who are looking to better serve and support these, these folks and these organizations. Uh, you know, it's a structural and it's a seismic shift that's going on. I reckon it's kind of like year two of a hundred year journey um, just to get all romantic, but you know, this is, this is just what's happening. Uh, and the models are broken challenge and opportunity. Always. So Mike, here's my last question. I like asking people today about the new world of tech. So please tell me how does web 3.0, the metaverse and NFTs, impacting portable um look we we love it um we'd love to be there it's in our we talk about our businesses in three horizons the things we're up to now the things we'd like to get to next and then the ultimate destination and um and so we're intrigued and fascinated by that future of technology. However, 
it gets really confusing when you come back to ground zero day one and where we're at now. So we find ourselves just trying to stick to our, our true core story, digital, digital first. Um, and then, you know, behind the scenes, we're dreaming and planning and thinking about how this whole world of work uh, can function, will function in, in that, that, new, that new space. Now, on a personal level, I have a hard enough time keeping up with today, let alone uh, getting myself set up for all this sort of stuff. So it's a, it's a fine balance. But I think if you're interested in the power of technology, um, doing things better or different, where markets are moving, uh, yeah, fascinated, fascinated. And, and it, a champion as best we can as a little startup. Wonderful. So what would be your last word of wisdom for a listener? Um, look, this future of work is, is, a, is a real thing um, and it's changing. So, and this, you know, I don't want to encourage people, but it's, it's a happening thing. Uh, this portfolio lifestyle you mentioned, and, um, you know, even, you know, even across the whole gig economy, the way people are choosing to work, millennials, it's not going to be for a large company for a five-year career um, in, in a singular profession. They are already got a little bit here and a little bit here, doing a little bit of influencing online, trainers, you know, some, some paid work. So they're already in their own little way doing, doing portfolio kind of work-life stuff passion projects all the way through to, to meaningful um, sort of uh, environmental social impact sort of stuff at a personal level, which is, which is super cool. And then the pure gig players, you know, looking to get their chance and get their start are working on two or three different platforms, doing two or three pieces of work to bring it together, to help them with their social mobility. So it really is a changing, a changing fabric across all ends of the spectrum. And, um, you know, I would encourage organizations and individuals to, to understand it and embrace it because it's kind of a happening thing. And, um, and I, I think it's a good thing. Thank you, Mike. So if people want to discover you, find you, where do they go? Uh, happy, to, happy to help in any way. And that's not just with our journey, it's with anyone in, 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 your startup ecosystem because i know we connect across this whole ecosystem and it is about helping each other out and passionate people and and good people doing great things so my email address um i don't know if it's going to be published as part of this it's mike.manette at portable.co reach out to me i'm always on linkedin for, for my sins so that's a good place to go um and then yeah look we spell portable without the e on the end trying to be cool and to be clever but um, we're online, so happy to help. Thank you, Mike. So people will reach out to you on LinkedIn. They will reach out to you as well via email. Yes, your details will be at the bottom of the podcast. So they will Brilliant. be able to reach out to you there as well. And well, thank you. Thank you for your time today. Thank you, Sabine. We got there in the end and uh, have a fabulous Friday and an even better weekend. 
Thank you. You too. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Bye. If you like this podcast, subscribe now, share with your friends. And if you enjoyed it, please give it a five-star review. Also, if you want to cover any specific subject with me, contact me on Instagram under Sabine VDL Officials or LinkedIn under Sabine van der Linden. Thank you.